Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Growing Band Director podcast. My name is Kyle Smith, and joining me is my friend and colleague, Jeff Smith. Our mission is to share practical advice and explore topics that will help every band director, no matter your experience level, as well as music education students who are working to join us in the coming years. Together, we will discuss many aspects of a well-rounded band program, but most importantly, we will discuss concepts that help us all improve our own programs each and every day. Always remember the famous quote by Ray Kroc, when you're green, you're growing, and when you're right, you rot. Let's get started. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Growing Band Director podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me. This is episode 60, and this is we're um, doing this all on reflections of Midwest, and then... Um, what was great about it and why you should go to Midwest, and then resolutions um, and how we're going to be improving as band directors coming up. And I have three very special guests with me, but before we start, I want to thank Jacob and Thomas for reaching out recently about uh, how the podcast is helping you in your teaching and networking with other people, and I just want to say thank you for reaching out. Also, thank you to our newest Patreon members who are uh, just joining us recently on the Patreon platform, and we're really happy to have you. Thank you to Craig and to Jim and to Lauren. And we just had Haley back in. She, uh, she had to move her car. And, uh, but we hadn't actually introduced anybody yet, oh, so okay. why don't we start with you? Oh, wow. So <laughs> from my left to right, I have three of my, my closest friends, Haley Francoeur, Adam Newton, and Joey Hendricks, and they're all fantastic teachers. And what I think that has what puts you guys all in the same category, even though we all play completely different instruments like we have to like have a band here yeah, yeah we'll have we to do that later. Yeah. <laughs> um is that i think all three of you are in the category of teachers who just get it done right mm -hmm. like whatever comes your way you just have to roll with the punches and you just do it right yeah. so it's education in the nutshell really yeah yeah <laughs> especially these days yeah, yeah. very true sure. yeah so Haley, since we, you just came in on on festive sweater day mm. tell us a little bit about your background a short a short intro okay um i grew up here in westbrook um went to westbrook high school and went to southern new hampshire university for my degree um and i teach at sanford high school currently i'm the band director there this is my second year um and just trying to continue to build that program and just kind of keep things moving there um, working on my master's in wind conducting as well um but yeah and you're a percussionist am i i'm a percussionist yes the drums. But originally? Originally I was a flute player and then a vocalist oh. and then I landed here. Yep. So, and it worked out so far. So. <laughs> well, you're very passionate. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I do my best. <laughs> yeah. And um, one thing that's great about you is you always seem like you're trying to get better. Yes. It's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Welcome to the profession. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh, figured that out quick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to Adam. Adam, one of my tuba player band director friends. <laughs> so I, I teach in the Gardner Main Schools. It's MSAD 11. And uh, I direct the fifth and sixth grade band up there. I also help out with the seventh and eighth grade band. I help out with the middle school chorus groups. Uh, and I also work with the Westbrook Marching Band. Uh, so, you know, during the fall, a couple times a week, I drive an hour and a half to, to Westbrook mm. to, uh, to help out with the Westbrook Marching Band, program, which, which is great for me hearing you know, doing middle school music all day and then working with a high school group 
that really helps benefit me and, and teaches me a lot about things that I can do with my own students too. And, and that's a great, great resource for me and, and great thing for me professionally to, to be able to do as well. Well, I, I actually learn from you every time we're together. I don't know if you know this or not. But one thing you do really well is the opposite of what I do. I tend to like try to hurry through things and to do it as quick as I can. And you seem, every time you're explaining a concept, to like you slow it down and you try to be as clear as possible for the students so that they understand the material that you're teaching. Sometimes you actually take a little more time than I would take, but that teaches me that I should probably repeat more and take a little bit longer in explaining things. That probably for me comes from the middle school mentality where a lot of times these days you have to repeat it like five times mm -hmm. for, for them to get in. So that, that's probably where I get it from. <laughs> Wonderful. Joey. So I grew up in South Portland, graduated from there in 2012. Then I went to the University of New Hampshire where I got my undergrad. I then taught at Yarmouth High School for six years. And then this year just started in the Westbrook school system. So teach with you and Crystal at the high school and middle school. So I do grades 5 through 12, as well as work with the marching band and jazz and all that fun stuff. And before you mention it, I am a saxophone player. <laughs> but no one's perfect. Okay. <laughs> well, usually it's the drum joke. I know, <laughs> usually. I was not expecting the saxophone slander, but that's fine. <laughs> but you play a little bit of everything. Yeah, I mean, so growing up, I sort of figured out in like eighth grade that I wanted to be a band director. So um, very early on, Jean Quinn, who was my middle school teacher, I was like, hey, I want to learn this. And she's like, great, here you go. And I kind of just like started teaching myself everything. So before I graduated high school, I think I could play pretty much everything but tuba um, as far as like band instrument goes. So here we'll, we are. We'll hook up sometime. So we could really yeah. start a band here. We really could. We could yeah. do that. What do, we, okay. what do you need? I rem yeah, I remember when you were in school and Skeff said, I have this kid who's a freshman and he doubles on life. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, the fact that you play everything. In teaching with you, you you're very able to go with the flow, mm -hmm. which is super awesome. Again, something that I try to learn from because I'm usually pretty like, nope, we're going to do it this way, and that's it. And you're able to like get to the same objective but feel like you're flexible. Well, I found really early on, um, like second day of teaching, <laughs> that like <laughs> if you go in with like, at least for me, if you go in with like too strict of a plan, like there's going to be a handful of kids that like don't understand how you explain something or whatever. So you really just like had to be flexible and like do that, um, which I think I've, I try to get better at mm -hmm. every year. But um, yeah, it's rare that like the one size fits all when it comes to education, I find. I'm also amazed how you can be so flexible, but also such a planner. Like the other day, I was like, True. we had to go back and do some paperwork on some, some, what he did on a lesson or whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, November 7th or whatever. Yeah, he pulled it right up and he's like, oh, we did this, 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 and this. And I was like, whoa. I have a whole doc, yeah. I know. I know, I know a lot of people. That's what I stole from Yarmouth. I know, I know a lot of people <laughs> use planners. And so then they look back each year and all that. But like the detail you had was pretty, pretty unbelievable. Anyways, so woodwind player, trumpet player, tuba player, percussionist. We could do all the things. Yeah. Let's start a band. All right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you need like a jingle for this? We can, we can make one. <gasps> that'd be great. Oh, that'd be so fun. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we need one of those like between all of us, like playing all of the different instruments, like 12 different windows or whatever, and they're all just us doing all of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I will play trumpet. 
whoever wants to organize that. <laughs> <laughs> it's officially off my plate okay. and on to yours. Okay. <laughs> um, and all of you, I'm very jealous, you all went to Midwest. And I did not. Um, so I want to hear about it. I want to hear why it was so... First, let's start with, if people are new to Midwest, why should we go to Midwest? Well, it was pretty awesome, not going to lie. Um, there was so much there. There was a really wide range of anything from picking repertoire to finding new repertoire to just watching, um, you know, hearing from just the greats in our profession, but also all the vendors that were there. I mean, it was anything that you could need was right there, all in one place. And then the networking opportunity, too, to just meet people from around the country, around the world. That was pretty, to me, for that being my first time, that was kind of the big thing that I was just kind of observing and looking around like, wow, all of these people do the same thing that I do. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. I thought this was such a you know, niche thing and here's hundreds, thousands of people in this one place that all do the same thing. I know for me, uh, like my, my why at the end of it, it kind of became two things, was learning new techniques on, on doing what I do, but also sort of regaining that spark, regaining that motivation mm -hmm. for what I'm doing. Um, seeing, you know, not just people and programs that are doing amazingly well, but also being able to talk with band directors who are in a similar situation to me uh, mm -hmm. and being able to, you know, realize, I mean, I've known it all along that there are plenty of other programs that are like mine. But being able to talk to those people in real life and, and be describe like, your yeah, program, you've got describe your program in like you know thirty seconds or less. Your town, uh, it, it's a, a a small town program. I mean, my my sixth grade band has fifty students in it. Uh, my in fifth grade beginners, I've got about seventy five. Um, What's the population of Gardner? Uh, uh, probably less than ten grand. Yeah. I mean, pro probably eight grand. I would. That's say. pretty great for so, that size. Yeah. So it's, you know, so being able, like I said, to talk to other directors who have programs very similar size to mine was, and it didn't occur to me before I went there that I would probably meet people like that. I knew I would, I would see wonderful, amazing programs too, but it, it didn't occur to me that I'd also be talking to people on, on my similar level too. And that just, that, that was mind blowing for me. Because it can be so isolating, right? You're the only one in your building, usually. I mean, I know we share sometimes and a lot of people out there get the share, but basically you're the only one who does what you do and then you have to, so I can imagine how that feels right. to like yeah. realize there's this whole community of people. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're out there and, and you just, you know, they're, they're probably not far away from you. Mm. Yeah. And then getting those contacts and that network, like I'm sure those people you could like reach out to in the future to like, you know, get tips from or like exchange back and forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not to sound like a broken record because they said everything I was going to say. <laughs> um, but also on top of it is just there's so many resources that like, you can get from this, both physical and just like pedagogically that you can bring back to your classroom. Like I got a couple of books for free. I think I sent you and Crystal a picture and I brought them too. Um, and also like a lot of the sessions in the slideshow that they presented that we still have access to, they're like, hey, here's some good like tongue exercises. Here's pictures of good and bad embouchures, like stuff that you could use to show your kids like, hey, this is why you're sounding bad. Like, here's a picture of it kind of thing. So yeah. all of the stuff that, you know, I don't want to say steal, but to steal <laughs> and use from, mm -hmm. like, the, you know, best of the best around the country um, will just make all of our programs that, mo that much more successful. Yeah. And what's funny, too, is some of these other programs who we consider these big model programs, right, they, uh, they do a lot of similar stuff as what we all do, right? 
And I found that some programs, like a lot of our programs are very alike. Oh, the yeah. big thing that's different is the size, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a quality program in a small town of 8,000 people versus a town of 250,000 people, right? If you have, if you have 3,500 people in your high school versus 600 people in your high school, mm -hmm. well, I mean, what, what I'm truly amazed at is some of those teachers who literally have 75% of the school in their band, mm -hmm. you know, that we have 400 people and there's 300 in the band. Like that, that it's to insane. me is what's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But some of these other programs, like you see these amazing groups that you saw at Midwest, right? You pro we probably all have like, you know, three kids, four kids who could play in that group, yeah. right? It's like, but they just have so many more players. And I was talking to somebody a number of years ago, I forget who, where it was, but they had an amazing program. And they said, Kyle, I have all the same weak players that you have, but I have 10 times more of them, mm -hmm. mm. right? So we, it's very similar. We just have such a smaller amount of, of people. Yeah. So what are we taking away from Midwest? Like, I want to hear about specific clinics. I want to hear about specific techniques, things that blew your mind. Can we start with the, uh, the active music listening, the Andy Boysen clinic? Were you, did you guys oh, go to that? Yeah, I, I did. did. Yeah, mm -hmm. you did. Did you go uh, to that? No. That made me feel um, validated. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Some of the, when it first started, because you know mm -hmm. the band would play something, and then on our phones we would choose what we would pick first to fix. Also, oh, it was interactive. It was, it was so intera interactive. It was, it was very interactive. Mm -hmm. It was like Family Feud, but with a band. So I wonder who came up with that because it couldn't have been Andy. It was him. Like Andy no, is that was all his idea. But he's not the technology guy. Well, Casey made the technology. Oh. but he came up with the idea. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So it was just cool. Like they'd play something, and in my head, like I always doubt myself, as I'm sure most of us do, when it comes to you know, am I doing the right thing? And so they'd play something, and I'd be the first one. I was like, what's everyone else picking here? And then I picked you. Know, no, I'm gonna pick what I I hear. And that was the top choice. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. And then the next one, like, same thing. But, you know, none of them were the wrong answer. It was mm -hmm. just what do your ears go to first. Mm -hmm. But, like, to see that I fit in the majority there and I was, I was hearing things, you know, I, I was doing the right thing. Um, it was just cool to see that and to have a whole room of people just kind of sitting there going, hmm, what do I hear there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was great because that group, I wrote down who they were, um, the Wheaton Warrenville South High School, they're the group that played. They did a song first to show, like, hey, this is a really su mm -hmm. successful program. And then what we were voting for and listening on, they were playing uh, Yosemite Autumn by Mark Camphouse. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they're like, oh, we've worked on this a little bit, but like, it's still a work in progress. So we weren't listening to like a fully po polished right. product. It was right. a high school group still working on something, which made it more authentic, which was genius. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, after the voting happened, like, and he would be like, so raise your hand if you pick that top voice. And people would raise their hand. He would, like, cold call people be like, okay, so what should we do first? And, like, so the <laughs> audience was also helping, yeah. like, run this rehearsal. And just, you know, he would go back to, oh, this is this, like, kind of rehearsal technique and everything. Which, yeah. It was just great. It was great. And he did a really good job, too, of, like, making sure the students didn't feel bad about, yeah. like, fixing. Like, he had a whole moment at the start was, like, we're not picking on you. We're just, you know, rehearsing. He made that very clear, which I thought was really good. Because a lot of those other bands that, that were lab bands were just, like, you know, they'd do something and then the whole room picks them apart, but he was very clear with, like, we love you, we're just mm -hmm. trying to, This you is know. a room full of educators yeah. trying to help you be better. Like, yeah. yeah. So, if, in case this is new to people, this came out through Chos in the last year. Mm -hmm. Andrew Boys and Junior, active, tech, what's it called? Tech, um, active techniques in listening. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. I where, should have written it down. Mm. And <laughs> if people are new to it, you get scores and you get recordings of bands um, basically sight reading and then kind of 80%, one of which was my group, 
And I tease Andy, when you're looking for a group where you want to hear mistakes, make sure you ask our group because we'll give you plenty of them, <laughs> right? And uh, so, it's a, so then you can do this on your own, and, but when you did it at Midwest, it was just everybody kind of doing it together. Yeah. Um, back in September, I did a, a session with Andy. If people haven't checked out that, they, they should because Andy and Lindsay, they talked about that a little bit as well. Mm. Um, so what else about that? I didn't mean to, to cut that discussion off. Oh, and that's fine. Yeah. I thought, and we talked about this a little bit before recording, um, that like, you know, some sessions felt like it was an advertisement for their book the, or product the entire time, whereas this was the entire thing. And at the very end, he was like, oh, fi- oh by the way, like, yeah. this is a book. Like, it wasn't advertising the entire time, even though it was. Right. But he didn't, like, that wasn't the whole point of the session. It was, here's how I can help you all become better educators. Let's learn together. If anybody's looking to um, find somebody to learn from, He's great. Oh, yeah. I remember, sit, I remember yeah. sitting in his wind symphony mm-hmm. and just you're amazed because he would just stop when his brain was full. He would basically say five things. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd say, when you get to five things, stop if you can remember them all. Right. So then he'd stop. And Which he'd he fix, does. He'd fix this <laughs> and he'd fix that and then this and then that and then that. OK, then everybody together. Now, middle school, high school, I, I can't really fix more than two things without having everybody play again or else they're jumping off the walls or whatever. But and he was always really good at going for the big things first, right? Because as younger teachers, a lot of times you hear something that's a problem and you want to fix like the dynamic in the third clarinets or the articulation length in the third trombone rather than like, hey, we're not playing the right rhythm together. Right. Right. Or we're in the wrong key signature. Right. You know, like the The ability, the the ability as as a teacher to hear the big things, the most important things, and then whittle down to the, the smaller things as it goes, I think is one thing that that book is really going to help teach people. Yeah. And it was like if you picked, you know, if intonation was the top thing that everybody picked, he would go to the next slide and talk about how you could fix it and, like, what that would also fix if you fix that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't just like, yeah, you picked the thing, let's fix it and move yeah. on. He, like, in-depth explained it. Um, yeah. And just resources that you could use to further, you know, like war- I think he talked about warm-ups and things like that mm-hmm. that you could do. Um, he brought up the directed listening model book a lot, um, which I thought was really helpful. And I thought it was also validating to a sense, kind of like you were mentioning, that like whatever I voted for could be like one of the top three answers. Yeah. And he's like, well, like if the top answer was intonation, that also, you know, pertains to balance and right. to like listening and all this stuff. Yeah. So like even if your was wasn't the top top answer. They're all connected because they all, you know, affect what's going on right. in the group, um, which was really nice. Yeah. What I love about this method is it's clearly originally, I think, aimed for newer teachers who get on the podium and say, okay, they conduct and then they stop and they go, what am I going to work on now? Right. Whereas veteran teachers, are, we're kind of thinking that all the time. Then when we stop, you know, I remember Mark Turk at University of New Hampshire would always say the middle school cutoff is you'd cut off and at the same time as you released, you'd say, don't talk, right? You have mm. to talk right when, or else if you leave that, that break after cutting off, that they're just going to start right. doing mm-hmm. that, right? So, but I think he's found that a lot of people who are veteran teachers, it helps refresh what they're listening to, mm-hmm. right? And Absolutely. what's, yeah. so it's not just for younger teachers, even though that was the original design. Right. On a similar vein, one of the sessions I went to was with Chip DiStefano uh, mm-hmm. of the McCracken Middle School uh, symphonic band in Illinois and exact same thing like as soon you know as soon as he heard one uh, the tiniest thing that that could be made better he could say you know Barry Sachs on your D it's a tiny bit sharp bring that down and and just instantaneously just rattle that right off and he just blew my mind I mean you know him and his band I mean his band was there performing 
and absolutely just in that instant know exactly how to make the sound better. And, and that's something that, you know, all of us try to do every single time. Uh, you know, and sometimes we're better at it than others. I, I fully admit that. And, you know, but just every single time, it's that one little thing that can just step it up that, that one notch. And, and so on a similar vein, he's always listening for, you know, it's probably in his mind, like a list of 500 things that could all go wrong. And f I heard five of them, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and here's what they are. Boom, boom, and boom, sometimes boom. it's like, okay, I haven't picked on this section for a while. So what I'm going right. to say is going right. to be a Barry Sachs thing. Right. Whereas it might really be clarinet too, but you've just hammered on that kid for the last three weeks right. <laughs> for kids. and you, Or for the last <laughs> 30 minutes. Yeah. 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 Yep. Absolutely. I went to a session that I think was probably one of my biggest takeaways called, if my ensemble sounds so good, why do I feel so bad? Mm -hmm. and that, I wanted to get to that one. Yeah. Scott Lang did that. And it was, it was very eye-opening. Where is he from? Do you remember? Oh, I don't. Okay. Um, but he, like, it was a very animated, like, he was, like, yelling at you from the start to, like, get you into it. Um, and I mean, like, yelling. But he kept saying, like, I don't remember his exact words, but he was saying, like, our profession is a soul-sucking, life-draining, like, profession. And he basically said, you should feel bad at the end of the day if you're doing your job correctly mm -hmm. because it's a soul-sucking, life-draining, you know, profession. Um, but he made a really good point at, at one time where he said, um, you know, be the educator that you are. Stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to get your band to a level that you just probably can't. He was like, I know that my band will never be a Midwest band, and that's fine. I'm going to do what I can and make my band the best that, you know, we can do in our area. But, you know, we're, you know, being from Maine, it's hard for us to get to Grand National Championship, right? Mm -hmm. We can dream and we can try, but we shouldn't be, you know, killing ourselves over trying to get to that point. Um, but the whole session... Uh, had like a QR code, so you're answering a survey at certain points. He'd have you stop and answer these questions about, you know, why did you get in the profession? Um, what do you want people to see you as? What are your goals? What do you want to do with your band? And by the end, like last five minutes, he was like, okay, the next five months, um, you're going to get a visit from yourself every month. He had like an AI-generated thing, so I haven't gotten anything yet, um, but for the next five months, once a month, I'm supposed to get an email of myself, essentially, saying, you know, why you're here, why you're doing this, to try to push you to keep going. So it was a very, like, oh, yeah, I kind of feel bad doing this. And it, I thought it was going to be a, you know, you should stop doing so much. You should maybe not teach that ensemble anymore. You should, you know, put mm -hmm. that off. And it was just more about how to handle everything and mm -hmm. just kind of how to take your time um, and just be at peace with what you're doing. More uplifting. Yeah, more uplifting and not, like, stop doing all the things, which was nice because most people just tell you stop doing all those things right um, like he was saying like his kids started doing all of the bus forms for him because that was taking time and one kid was like i'm gonna do all the bus forms for the entire year and did it in one day when it usually takes him you know weeks to do it uh, or a certain spread Spreading of time it out, right. yeah so she just did them all at one day and handed them in and it was all done so he was talking about like dictating tasks like that but we, just, are, we are bad at asking for help yeah oh yeah and that's what he said like when the kid <laughs> oh, yeah. was like i want to do this he was like no and she was like, Mr. Lang, I'm doing this. <laughs> and so she did it. And he was like, oh, well, you see, this is wrong. And she was like, no, it's actually right, because we're always late to that game, because you don't remember that that's a game that starts an hour early. And he was like, OK, yeah, keep doing that. <laughs> so it was just cool to, to you know, hear that from somebody and, and not hear, like, oh, you just should not be doing so much. It was cool to, 
I'm excited to get that email of like mm. myself. I want to know what that's going to be like, and you know, because I'm sure you'll forget, and then you'll get it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go. What right. is this? <laughs> so yeah, that was from Haley. What? <laughs> what do you mean? That's so weird. But that was probably that was one of my the sessions like that really impacted me. Mm. So. Thinking back to one of the other ones I went to, and, and the exact name of the session escapes me, but, it, but it's basically, what do you do if you hear this? Um, and, and the handout for that session was like a, it was practically a small book for every single instrument. Like if you hear a flat sound, if you hear you know, this sound on, on every instrument, you know, what are the steps you can guide the student through to, to make that sound sound better? And certain instruments like brass instruments, I could do that all day long. Flute, not so much. And so, you know, it was great. I mean, and it's an incredible resource that I'm going to keep like right center on my desk and, and be like, okay, whenever I, you know, if I hear it in a band rehearsal and right at that moment, I'm not sure what to do to fix it, I'll look for next time and then be like, okay, do this, do this, do this. And an incredible resource. I'm going to put that along with what Caitlin Ramsey sent out. I'm going to put that onto the folder for this episode for the Patreon members so they can access all of that cool. if yeah, they want yeah. to. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's a huge, yeah. every, awesome. I think every band teacher needs to have it front and center in their desk because you're going to hear every single one of those sounds. Mm -hmm. So Was that the, what do I do when I hear that session? That, and, they yeah. and they had like the audio clips of like actual kids playing. Yes. Yeah, I went to that one too. That was yep. great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, all of us were cringing in the audience going, yep, I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's my band. But, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and the point they're making is like, you know, we learned how, that we had to figure out how to do this because mm -hmm. during remote teaching and COVID and everything, the kids wouldn't turn their cameras on, but they'd be hearing these things and being like, uh, maybe check your right hand because they couldn't yeah. see what was going on. So they had to purely go based on what they're hearing um, and then created this fantastic resource, just like you were saying from this, which, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I went to another really cool one um, with Colonel Jason Fettig from the President's Own, um, and it was conducting Sousa with style. Mm. And there was so much about Sousa that I didn't know. I didn't know that he wasn't a march writer first and foremost, and that he was mainly a melody guy that really went more towards operas. So it was cool because uh, he had a band with him, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was a community band. Um, but they would play sections of a march, and then he would talk about, I thought it was going to be, you know, add bells on the second strain, whatever. But it was like how to make it musical, because I think a lot of us get in the habit of, oh, it's just a march, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. doing the thing. This is the time, great. Nothing yeah, else. this is the mm -hmm. time, just play it in time, and we'll be good. Um, but he talked about, you know, how to bring the melody out, what the counter melody could do to help just, you know, put it to that next level of making it sound actually musical, and you're not just playing through a Sousa march, and kind of what he intended. So I wrote, mm. like, a ton of notes for every march that they did. Um, I just had no idea of some of the connections between like you know this march takes parts of this opera and the melody is from this i i didn't know any of that hmm. so it was really eye-opening and it was cool to you know obviously just see him conduct Souza was just interesting and, and he talked about like they don't need you to conduct everything um that was his big thing he was like i don't they don't need me in the marine band they don't actually <laughs> need me i'm just there because mm -hmm. um, you know he was just throwing his hand up once in a while he walked away at one point and they're just doing their thing right um, so that made me feel better too especially like working on my conducting stuff for my masters and hearing like you don't need to do all of those things all the time um, they got it so it was just it was really eye-opening for me for the Sousa stuff 
Jeff Priest always says that the conductor is just the hood ornament to the Cadillac, yep. right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the Cadillac and you see the hood ornament, if you rip it off, it's still a Cadillac. It's just a Cadillac. It just the conductor shows you what the music is supposed to look like. Yep. Even though that's not always our real world yeah. and where we live. But um, <clears throat> other thing I was going to mention, I saw Wynton Marsalis do this thing on marches. It was this Susan de Sachmo video back from the late 90s where he takes, um, has the early version of the Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra as well as the Tanglewood Symphony, Symphonic Orchestra or something like that. And they play... I forget which march, but they play this march in that style and then the jazz style, and they break it down and how it's similar and all that. And he talks about the counter melody along with the melody. Now, in the in in jazz ensemble, that's the counter melody is the clarinet obligato line that goes on top of the melody, whereas in the march, it's usually the trombone, tenor sax, baritone part, right? So he, he talked a lot about altitude, about the altitude of airplanes, like how can two airplanes take off and go at the same time and cross each other and not not crash, while one is 10,000 feet higher than the other, then it works fine. So if you compare the melody to the counter melody, the fact that they're moving at similar times, they do have moving parts at separate times, right? So they work really well together, but at the same time, because they're an octave apart, your ear can process both of them and understand mm-hmm. both of them. It's not just another melody, it's supposed to be you know, very complementary to the original melody and the, the whole altitude thing was a really big takeaway for me with the counter melody being down an octave and if you bring that out and make it like you said more musical yeah um then that helps the entire march yeah he had the the band do some of those things where you know play it just you know normal don't really do anything and then he had them try to enhance it and the difference was just insane Mm. for some of that and it's funny sometimes you can just have even students even young students you can say how can you play that more musical? Like, how musical can you play that? And then a lot of times, it just is much better. Right. Just by empowering them to, to play their best musicianship. Right. That does not always happen. Right. What is it? One of my friends says, emote freely doesn't always work for middle school kids. <laughs> 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 yeah. You never know what you're going to get when yeah. you ask for yeah. that. But no, that, that blows my mind because having played tuba, sitting next to, like, the euphoniums who always right. get these wonderful counter melodies and, and you making that connection between that and the operas and whatever, that, that kind of blows my mind yeah. right now. Because, and it makes total sense i had no i like that's what he started with was like did you know that susa was not just a march guy and i was like i i didn't know are you sure (laughs) i was like what so i just like that just immediately took me but he went through like all these different marches and said you know it was from this opera can you hear you know the melody there and you know this is what was going on and it it just it blew my mind some of that stuff so it was really cool One of the sessions I went to that was A, validating, because a lot of the stuff that they were saying, I was like, oh, I do that stuff too, but also like I took a lot away from, was the Filling Your Toolbox for Effective Rehearsals, which was by Christine Cumberledge from Central Junior High in Texas, because, you know, programs down there are insane. <laughs> um, but one thing I thought she did really well for the session is she was like, okay, for this entire session, I'm treating you like my kids, and like everything I talk about, like I'm going to have you do. So she'd be, she would talk about, you know, when she has a, like her kids do something, say, oh, like when your section's finished writing in these things, stand up. Just to like, A, keep the kids constantly moving, but also like it's a visualizer for, oh, you've finished doing the task I asked, it's done. So like she would have us do a barcode thing, whatever, answer it, and then like actually stand up in the middle of the session and like be like, okay, we're done. Um, and then she would occasionally like cold call people out and whatnot and whatever. But one of the biggest things that I took away from that, because I tried to go to more um, middle school sessions because I'm still just, new to teaching the middle school grade because this is my first time doing it in my career um was how how do I want to wear this she 
She said that when she starts her beginners, which I think they do in sixth grade there, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of our programs here do that in fifth grade. Um, she was like, yes, I pass out the books right away, but we don't start from page one. She actually goes back and starts from the fingering charts. And, like, what she has them do is, like, actually, like, she pantomime, like, she has the kids hold the instruments on their shoulder so they can't physically play it, but they, like, actually practice, like, playing through the fingering charts so they can, like, think about how to, like, go through the instrument. But then, obviously, she doesn't have them try to play a chromatic scale first week of (laughs) beginning Mm -hmm. band. It's just like, hey, this is just, so you know what's in the back. This is the fingering chart. Here's all the notes. But, like, let's start with E on clarinet or whatever it is. Um, Which, like, at first when she was explaining it, I was like, that's insane. Like, you know, I think of the fifth graders I'm teaching now, I'm like, they their minds would explode. They wouldn't know what to do with this if I tried doing that. But she was saying how it's like, you know, a kid went home and the next week came in to show her like, hey, I can play my chromatic scale. And she was thinking like, they were just gonna show her. And this clarinet, like sixth grade clarinet player put the clarinet together and played low E to high C. And she was like, what? (laughs) um, Like, and that's not something I necessarily wanna like try right away being like, hey kids, go to the finger chart in the back. But just, I don't know, something different to think about as Mm -hmm. far as like how to approach the beginning band thing of, you know, even if you're not necessarily teaching it right away, if you show them the resource, a lot of the times the kids will just teach themselves, which I have found actually, because one of my saxophone fifth graders, um, we went to learn C before break. And he was like, actually, I looked in the back in the fingering chart and like an alternate version of playing C is like B with the middle side key. And I was like, that's fantastic. These other kids won't be able to comprehend that, but great. Like, <laughs> that's <job>. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like thinking about like, you know, what is a way that we could, approach teaching what we how we normally teach differently how could that be effective for our programs or how could it mm-hmm. be hurtful kind of thing i find when i teach the chromatic scale i frequently use the fingering chart mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just read from the fingering chart rather than there and then once they're comfortable with the fingering pattern then they go back and they read it too right mm-hmm. mm. so yeah. similar to what joey was just saying I, the term that's kind of been floating in my mind after going to all the sessions i went to and everything kind of old dog, new tricks, Mm. you know, doing the same things that band teachers have done for eons, but there are totally new ways to do them now. And and that's something I need to remind myself a lot is that the old, back when they still made Oldsmobile cars, one of their slogans was like, this is not your father's Oldsmobile. Mm. This is not your father's concert band. Mm. Uh, Everything is totally different than even five, 10, 15 years ago. And we, I think, as band teachers need to remember that, that there are always new ways of accomplishing the same thing. And if way one doesn't work, there's five others behind it Mm -hmm. that could possibly work. And you need to remind yourself of that. Don't get stuck trying to do just the one thing that used to work. It might take something else to get there. Right. And I I need to remind myself of that a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. I also find... I used to be really bad at asking for help, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially early in my career, because I was just like, well, I know what I'm doing. I just graduated, so I know everything. <laughs> like, I would just try to teach, and if something didn't work, I would just be like, oh, whatever, they just didn't get it, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Um, and then, like, you know, as time goes on, it's like, no, there's people who know more than me, mm-hmm. and I should reach out and ask for help and, like, get some insight on how I can do this thing better, because right. I'm still not even 30. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> one, one of those tools that you use a lot was is the John McAllister music website, right? Mm. Yes, um, I had a Love session with website. him a month or two ago, and if people haven't checked it out, they should. Um, and I remember you reaching out right away, like, oh, I love the John McAllister stuff, so why? what's great about John McAllister stuff? I mean, th- there's... <laughs> way more than I can describe in this podcast, really. <laughs> right? I mean, th- th- there's a lot of, you know, resources on there, you know, uh, for sight reading and, and all sorts of, of 
you know, rhythm activities and, and you name it. There's a ton out mm. there. And, and it should be similar to what I was saying about the, you know, what do you do if you hear this? It, it should be a resource that, that band teachers should go to yeah. regularly. The, I mean, mm-hmm. really, it should be. The cinematic warm-ups yeah. are phenomenal. Like, I, I do those with my kids, and it gets them to put emotion into, like, their warm-ups. Because I always paint a scene. I'm like, what does this make you think of? And we, we ma- make the whole movie to whatever that warm-up mm-hmm. is. And I don't give them the sheet music. I just I put it up on the Promethean board, and they, some of them can kind of see it. But I just say, okay, we're in the key of whatever. This is one. And so it gets them to do a little bit of theory really quickly, but also gets them to play you know, their B-flat scale with some emotion behind it, like they're in Jurassic Park or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a f- cool, fun way to get your warm-ups in and to get them to have fun with it. And it's not just, okay, play your, play your scale in half notes, now let's right. do whole notes. So His whole mission is to take the fundamentals that kids are supposed to be doing all the time and make it more accessible yeah. for, and basically make them go home and want to work on their own fundamentals without you there. Yeah. That's his whole mission. I think he does a great job with it. I yeah. mean, that yeah, stuff absolutely. is amazing. I've started using his sight reading stuff even for my intro to band class because, mm-hmm. like, they're starting to get to the point where I'm like, oh, we could sight read some stuff, but, like, let's make it fun first because mm-hmm. he has that's like, the video game style, like, sight reading level one kind of thing. And at first, the kids were like, what is this? And then after they did a couple, they're like, oh, I get it now. And, like, yeah. we started sight reading more, and it, they were getting better and better at it. And afterwards, I was like, was that fun? And they're like, yeah, we should do that more often. And I was like, Oh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry. But I'm glad they also bought into it because, yeah, yeah. Th- everything he has in there is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I had another session that I went to um, that was also really eye-opening and helpful. I'm still really trying to build the jazz culture at my school. Mm-hmm. Um, so this session was called From the Top, Building Jazz Culture Through Warm-Ups. And, um, you know, that immediately that title was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's me. I need that because I like my kids like being there, but it's very much you know, oh I got this thing I can't come to rehearsal today and like they're not really, I don't know they don't seem super excited about it yet they like it, um, but something that she starts every rehearsal with is she just puts a song on same song the entire school year, um, and they sing and dance to it, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like she used every day I have the blues the Count Basie version and she had a group from her school I think one of the top combos. And she put it on, and we all stood up, and we all like swayed and snapped our fingers, and the kids were singing, and you know some of them were singing the lyrics, some of them were singing the horn part, and they knew it really well, so they got really into it, and that was kind of her attention grabber for all of her rehearsals. And you know she said the first couple weeks are awkward because they don't want to do it, they don't know what it is, uh, but then when they start to know the song, they almost you know they just know. So instead of being like, okay, quiet down, everybody, sit down, mm-hmm. she just puts the song on, they know. Um, and then her warm-ups, they, and she said she has six jazz ensembles, so a little different than the one that I have, but, um, so, like, her top groups can play all of their scales, circle of force, like, chromatics, all of the different scales, um, but she starts, you know, all of her ensembles trying to go through the scales, and then she does the five minutes a day warm-up, um, which I have the whole handout for that, which is super helpful, but then what I thought was really cool is she has a chart that's just four measures of a bunch of jazz standards. So like Blue Monk, Doxy, and it, they, she put them all in the same key. So some of them aren't in the original key. Um, but these kids just play down the chart. So they get four measures of these, you know, hmm. I think it was 12 different songs. Um, and they add that to their vocabulary. And she said that could take anywhere from five to 10 minutes a day. Right. Um, but they do that every day and then they'll go into soloing after that. And that's kind of how they build their vocabulary and work. So it, it was really cool to, to hear that. And I, I'm going to try that song thing and see if 
that's something that I can get my kids to buy into. I mean, I don't have it every day, and it sounded like she did. Right. So I don't know if the, you know, like twice a week opposed to five days a week, but give it a shot. But it was cool. It was just, you know, how to get them excited, talking about going to festivals, um, bringing them out to build that, you know, community and that culture, and getting them to mentor. She, you know, she said that some kids in her top ensembles take the class for the other ensembles, so that way they can, those advanced players can play with those students that are learning to improv and learning to play, so it was just really interesting. One other thing you can do too is if you invite somebody local to come in and guest with your band, but only with the jazz ensemble, mm -hmm. right? So it's like they feel special. Right. You know, whoever that person is, they're better than they are. Right. Right, and that's, and that's what matters. <laughs> right, yeah. Well. What about the groups you guys heard? You talked about McCracken. That, that was a clinic band, though, right? They are a performance band. They're amazing. Right. Uh, that was a clinic. Right. And, and they, I think they played one piece straight through, if I remember correctly. But the rest of the time, uh, it, it was basically a clinic band. Yeah, they, it was a sort of open rehearsal type of style. Um, and, yeah, he had them doing everything from warm-ups to you know, taking a, a section of the piece and going, you know, okay, now let's let's do this, this, and this, and play it again, and, you know, can you hear the difference there? That's so. something that doesn't happen enough, is those uh, those rehearsal bands at, at conferences. Mm -hmm. And Maine, uh, were you in the band when we did it? I don't remember, but, you know, just having your band go and being the guinea pig to work with whoever on a piece that doesn't even have to be perfect, mm -hmm. that's just, a one, and again, another, another wonderful way to bring culture, right. to build culture. Um. I saw a handful of groups. One thing that scheduling-wise that like frustrated me a little bit with Midwest, and this is kind of like one of my biggest like negatives, I guess, to say about it, is that I never could sit, sit through an entire performance because they would always overlap with a session I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. So I'd go listen to like 45 minutes of a group and then like run to make it into another session, which like yeah. sometimes I'm like, oh, which one's more useful for me? Because I want to hear it all. But um, mm -hmm. I heard the majority of the Artie Henry Middle School band perform, and like they opened up. I have the program somewhere. It's like and you know my, my memory's mush, but uh, they opened up with like a grade four thing, which like they played phenomenally, and they played anywhere from grades one to like four, and they had different mm -hmm. guest conductors come in, but like I was sitting there like, these are middle schoolers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like this, you sound like a professional mm -hmm. group. You are middle schoolers yeah. at mid Midwest right now. Um, I thought they were phenomenal. Um, but then there was one moment where it like, they were, it, was, it reminded the audience they were middle schoolers, because like a trombone player was like, my instrument's broke. And like they like brought someone in to like take and like bring it off stage and fix and like everyone like kind of laughed and applauded like oh right, it's still a middle schooler whose <laughs> instrument still will break and whatever. But um, mm. like the musicality in which they played everything was just incredible. Like like I think it's more it's more common to get high schoolers there because they've been playing for longer. But like in this group is seventh eighth graders. I'm like mm. literally how? <laughs> right. But I thought they were phenomenal. They were one of the one of the groups that I saw. Yeah, like. Going off of what Joey said, that was my biggest issue is I did want to see a lot of these ensembles, mm -hmm. but I felt that the sessions were going to be more beneficial than seeing the group. So I saw the Westlake High School studio uh, band because Terry had a bunch of charts mm -hmm. played, I think three. Um, they were great. I mean, that was phenomenal. They had a bunch of guest artists come out. Um, I went to the H. Reynolds um, like Open Conducting Institute rehearsal mm -hmm. um, where he was just working with a small little group of woodwinds and brass um, and that was I mean they were professionals not a high school or middle school group but it was still it was cool to see him uh, conduct and to just you know he was hearing things that I was like I didn't hear that I didn't hear that at all because um, they were just so good uh, 
but I, I didn't see a lot, unfortunately, because um, also some of those really good groups were pretty late in the evening, like 8.30, and it was tough to get back to the convention center. You after. can't do everything. Yeah. That, and also, I, that like, needed the, to eat. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Because there was, you know, there was a percussion ensemble I wanted to go see, but, yeah, mm-hmm. it was all, like, I, I need to go eat. I need Deep to. Deep dish pizza over here. <laughs> yeah. Ensemble over we here. did do that. They're well, all important. And there are also a couple of groups I wanted to see on Thursday, but because of the weather, they right. pushed them to, like, 9.30 p.m. on Wednesday. And I was yep. like, yeah, no. And <laughs> the like, Canadian brass got pushed back, like, even farther, yeah. even later. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm Yeah, out. I think one of the groups, it might have been them. I think they, like, ended at 10.30. And I was yeah, like, I'm asleep. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. For me, usually it's day three. You're like, yeah, over. Oh, yeah. it's like drinking from a fire hydrant, right? You yep. say, okay, I'm, I'm done. Like yeah. this is all amazing, but <sighs> yeah. I think I went back and took a nap on the Wednesday. I was like, I'm burnt out. <laughs> like, I almost I, did. I was, I tried to power through, but I ended up like sitting outside the vendor area, and they had a, uh, a jazz combo out front, and I just watched that combo for like an hour and a half, and was like. <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> like I was like, I should go to a session, and I was like, I my brain is not working. So I just yeah. sat and just like people watched and was mm-hmm. like, wow, this combo is really good. Yeah. Like at that point, there's only so it's like, our yeah. brains are sponges, and like at, at that like end of day three point, it's like it's full. And I was like, even if I went to a session, I'm not I'm not taking any of this in. Mm-hmm. So, but on the bright side, all the resources are available to us, and right? Like have access to, they can go back and like look at and watch yeah. and everything. So mm-hmm. this That's being. Great. This being my first ever time going to Midwest, I, I almost felt that way after day one. Yeah. True. I mean, just yeah. after after day one, I was just sitting there in my hotel room going, "Wow." Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that was just I kept saying that to myself like my my goodness where yeah. is where has this been all my life and I know yeah. it's been there but I mean just being able to to go and experience that and and as you said two more days of it after that right um, but it just, inspires you it, like, yeah. I left being like I love my job yeah <laughs> like, I was like I'm gonna I go back wait. to school. Maybe I'll get back in time to go to school for a little bit on Thursday. I'll go. I did not, by <laughs> no. the way. Because, like, I, I was talking to Will Kinney before, like, we actually went. And mm. he was like, you don't have to go to everything. Like, you need to, like, breathe. And, like, after Monday, I was like, what are you talking about? I can go to everything. And then, like, <laughs> Tuesday afternoon, I was like, I'm a little tired, but I can oh. do it. And then Wednesday morning, I was like, it hits okay, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't do it today. So, yeah. What about people you guys connected with? Were the people that you hadn't seen in a while or people that you met and made connections with? Or, I mean, I personally, um, and I will give credit to Missy Shable for all this, I connected <laughs> with a lot of, like, main teachers who, like, mm-hmm. I've known of and we've known of each other, but I didn't necessarily mm-hmm. talk to a lot. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, the, the Monday night of going there, like, we had, like, a main teacher hang and, like, we were able to, like, talk and get to know one another and whatnot. And um, so there's just a bunch of people from our local area that I'm like, oh, I'll see you at Allstate kind of thing that yeah. I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I agree. It was meeting people that I've seen that I've never really actually talked to from Maine and getting to hang out and spend time with them. Um, some Walking around the vendors was cool, too. Um, like, mm. there was a company that, uh, Garlinger Batons, like, I bought a baton from them three months ago, and then I saw them, bought another baton. But I, like, you know, got to meet them. You have two hands, like, so you need Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I thought. I have three now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was cool to meet her and, you know, talk to them and, and buy another one. Uh, I went up to the Drum Corps International booth mm. and like oddly enough the guy was like, "Oh, I'm the open class coordinator." And I was like, "I marched open class." Then he was like, "Oh, are you so and so?" And I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> um, and then, you know, just just talking to those vendors and being able to make those connections and see some of what they had, you know, there's a lot of options out there. So mm-hmm. it was cool to just put a face to to some of them and um, but I mean the connection thing was that was big. Mhm. 
getting to meet like Randall Standridge. I oh mean, yeah, you know, that was and, great. But and it was funny because every time I was in the exhibit hall, and I, I probably went through the exhibits probably four or five times just to make sure I saw everything. Yeah. And it, he was like Elvis. I mean, there was yeah. a line of fifty. It was always so long. So Monday. When Heather and I got there, um, I don't know. We, I don't know. We didn't get the memo or whatever. We just got there really early at like 8.30, and we looked, and we were like, oh, let's go in the vendors. You know, we got to wait. We just walked right in, and I'm like, wow, nobody is here. Like, there were some people not at their booth, and then... Because it didn't open until 9.30. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're walking. We go talk to Randall. There's, like, no line, and, you know, he's ha we're having a conversation. There are other people in there, like, that are like us, but they're, you know, we're just kind of like, this is weird. <laughs> um, we, you know, walk by the Hall Leonard booth, Johan Demai is there, like, eating a banana, and we're like, what is going on here? <laughs> and then, yeah, we hear the announcement, vendor is now open. We're like, oh, <laughs> we went through everything already. So go early is what you're telling so people. So go yeah, early and just secret. sneak by. I don't know how we did it. We just walked in, and they just looked at us, and we just, I don't know if we look like vendors. I don't know. <laughs> look like yeah. you own the place. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. I, got there at like, I got there at like 9, and they had like guards at each entrance like, it's not 9.30 yet. And I was like, okay. And then I think you had texted like Missy and being, and Missy's like, so Haley's with Randall Sanders right now. And we're like, how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, we just walked up to his, he was talking to one other guy, but, um, the, the other person that was with him was like, oh, yeah, help yourself to a couple free scores. You know, if you want him to sign them, just hang around. And we talked to him for a while, and then we walked by, you know, a couple hours later, and the line, mm -hmm. you're right, was, like, down the hall. And we were like, okay, so we got there at a good time. Right, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice guy. Oh, yeah. Funny. He's a yeah. funny guy. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about a lot of things that we're going to do as New Year's resolutions kind of informally already, but... I want to hear from you guys, like, what is the biggest thing that you want to do differently come next Tuesday or Monday or whenever you go back to school that you want to start incorporating? Adam, we'll start with you. Boy, it would be tough to narrow it down to one. There's a lot of things that I can't <laughs> All right, do. We'll, like, we'll name a couple. So, um, yeah, number one, I, I definitely, and I, I've heard people discuss, like, you know, using the, the drone to help with tuning, mm. and I, for, for my own I hadn't figured out a way yet to effectively use that, and I, I saw Chip DiStefano using it. I, I saw you know a few others using it as well, and it gave me some ideas of ways I can incorporate that into doing what I'm doing with my students. And, and so that's that's going to be number one first thing Tuesday at 7:20 in the morning on Tuesday morning. God bless you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is uh, be I, I'm immediately going to start with that and start using that as a tool. Mm -hmm. So for sure. Great, Haley. Um, I have two really big ones. One, I think what I got out of everything was just to trust myself mm. as an educator um, and that like, I'm hearing things that are legit and the things I'm doing are working. Um, I, I second guess myself a lot and I, go, I try to find, you know, what is everybody else doing? What can I do? Um, but a lot of those sessions, they said things and I was like, I do that. And there was a lot of other people that were like, oh, I could start doing that. And I was mm. like, whoa, okay. Um, so I think just, like, being comfortable with myself and trusting what I'm doing, um, but also trying to plan my full year before the school year starts and align it with the goals um, and the expectations that I have for the year. Um, one of the sessions, I don't remember what it was called, uh, Click Save, How to Plan Rehearsals and Optimize Learning and Retention. Like, she gave this whole handout of how to plan, you know, your entire year, your repertoire, um, putting rehearsal dates down and letting kids see that. And so I think... If I did that, I would maybe have a little bit 
better of a timeline with some of my rehearsals. I tend to do things very on the fly sometimes, and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, we're just going to sight read this, and then we sight read it, and I'm like, oh, cool, that sounded good, let's do that. Um, so I think planning ahead. Um, so but I you're getting to a point, too, where you can start, you know your group, yeah. and you can see a score, and you can say, yeah, it's not going to work for us, right. or this is going to work. Yeah, and that was like my, you know, my, I went into my first year there of, like, I have no idea how these kids play. Right. I have no idea what they can handle. I don't know what they know, and now I'm figuring out, you know, they can handle this little push or they hope oh, they can't handle that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think s being able to sit down on Tuesday, I'm really going to look at, you know, the rest of my year and what ensembles need what. Um, and specifically, you know, my jazz area and what I can do in jazz and applying some of those. One thing I would suggest everybody do if you're relatively new to your school, if you've been there long enough, you know what's in the library. But take a couple days and go through your library and listen to everything you don't know. Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff I'm sure that's really good in your jazz library and your concert library. And you say, well, I should do that piece. We already own it. It's going to save us 85 bucks or whatever right. it is. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I was at Yarmouth, I would like be listening and trying to find stuff. And then I would check the library and go, oh, we have that. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's 10 out of 10. Um, for me, going into the new year, I think um, one thing I took away, well, many things, um, from the Christine Cumberledge session, the in your toolbox is that a lot of the like behavioral issues I find, especially at the middle school, like fifth and seventh grade specifically, um, is just tr truly where they're sitting. Um, so she suggested like a you know don't just make a seating chart based on like kids behaviorally where you think they'll go like seat them like strong player weak player strong player weak because like they'll start helping each other out kind of thing and like the stronger kids will like turn to whoever's next time and like start helping them out kind of thing. And I was thinking like especially my fifth grade sax ones, I was like there's already like a big range of like who can do what. Mm -hmm. um, and we've only been at it for like a couple weeks really. Um, so I think the first section will back be like, hey, happy break, assign seating. And like, to, I, but like, I'm going to tell them I'm just going to do it randomly, but really it's going to be, okay, that's a strong player. Like, okay, you can go there kind of mm -hmm. thing. And I think try to be more strict. Because I, I always go like, oh, I'll just like let trust kids to sit where they want. Like, we'll move kids if we need to. But I think what I should do is as soon as I can like assess those kids and like figure out where they are. Right do that like right away and be like, I'm not punishing you. This is like for <laughs> your best interest of seating where you're going to be sitting. So I think I want to like start the new year with that and then go from there. One of the things I want to work on, <clears throat> I have two little things. One, one, one thing in like a comment. The first one is I think I do it pretty well, but I want to continue to get better at using fundamental block because I don't go a day without doing fundamental block in the bands. They're, the fundamental block is always changing. It's not the same because I've, I've witnessed bands where they do the same thing every year mm. for verbatim and it, the kids just check out really quick. So um, I want to keep, keep doubling down on that, that block using the drone even more. I do use it, but I want to use it even more. Um, and then the second thing was I'm, I have a couple pieces right now that I'm trying to push a couple of my ensembles to figure out, because we know post-COVID, like the pushing kids is totally different. It's like pushing a, I don't know, like a water bed or something or a bowl of spaghetti. Like it's just, <laughs> you just, you just can't push it. Right. And, uh, yeah, but I have a, some groups that I, I wonder if they're ready for a little bit of a push. Mm -hmm. So the next couple of weeks are going to be kind of telling because I have a, a couple pieces in general that we're, that we're working on that it's like, okay, I think this is a little hard for them, but I think if they just buck up a little bit and then I'll know real quick if I just said, nope, that was a fail and I'll abort and go to something else. Mm -hmm. Because in, like, say there's three pieces in the program, it's one of the three pieces. Two of the three I know are perfect for them. So then I'm kind of using it to feel them out a little bit more and see, will this work for these kids, or do I really need to scale that back to? Mm -hmm. 
And some of the kids already are super excited about this quote unquote challenge. Yeah. And I just can't tell which is going to be stronger, the, the super excited or the not super excited. Right. And is it excited because they like how it sounds or excited because they're excited to like dig into it? Right. Both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, anybody else have anything else? Go to Midwest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, this was my first time going and I definitely want to go back. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'm going to be trying to make it a yearly thing. Yeah, if possible, for sure. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, it was a good emotional reset Mm -hmm. to just make you feel inspired. And, you know, I think we all, especially at the end of marching band season and some of us going into winter percussion and jazz band, we're at that wall of like, oh, my God, we're not even halfway there yet. That was a really nice reset. Yeah, I always find that, like, the stretch from September to December is the longest because mm-hmm. it's not broken up with as many breaks at least for the main school system right. I know every break schedule is different in other states um, so it's like oh we made it to December break the rest of the year we've got this so yeah, <laughs> yeah. knock on wood alright I'm going to throw a curveball at you guys oh, oh sorry oh, can man. you hit the curveball I'm bad at sports but go ahead uh, <laughs> that's basketball right uh, <laughs> <laughs> I failed at all the things yeah, you, you hit it for the field goal yeah, yeah. basket um, yeah sorry a piece that you really love. It doesn't have to be a piece that is like this brand new piece nobody knows about. It just like a piece that you just really love to do. And it can be any level band. Um, I'm going to start to buy you another couple seconds before you, it's your turn. There. Uh, and you can say pass if you want to. But for me, the piece is Kentucky 1800 by Claire Grundman. The only time you shouldn't do it is if you have 7,000 percussionists in that band and they're in the rehearsal with you. Mm. Um, other than that, it's a great piece of music from 1950s, and I think a lot of people don't know about it. A lot of people know about it, and they're rolling their eyes, but it's a great piece of music, <laughs> Kentucky 1800. I know the piece, I but one. I want to look up the composer just to make sure I'm not wrong. Okay. okay. <laughs> Mine is Luke Sarumque by Eric Whitaker. Mm-hmm. I do love that piece. I, like... Mm-hmm. You have to have a band that can listen and have good intonation good for it tone. to, yeah. yeah, really, you know, have the full effect. Um, and it's sorry, percussionist. And I'm a percussionist, so I feel like it's okay for me to. So to what do you do? You have like there's no percussion part. I usually have them play a mallet part. Like I try to do the metallic percussion and give them one of the woodwind parts. Um, and it depends. Why, me- why metallic? Just fits the light and gold. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. shining yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Fits the the whole uh, you know mood of it. Um, it's just beautiful. I just love pieces with that chord, like that kind of chord structure and just, I don't know. I love lyrical things like that mm-hmm. and the slow pieces. And um, it is harder than people think, but it is, yeah. you can play it. Right. It, mm-hmm. Like it looks super easy, but it's really all about just intonation and listening. And I, like I always try to introduce it. I'll play it for kids, but I turn the lights off mm-hmm. and I just make them kind of have a moment with it, um, and it, it, it they always end up loving it. I've done it a couple times now, and it's awesome. I That's think the um, first time I heard that piece was 2010, and it was the main Allstate band. I forget who was doing it. Peter Martin was doing it, and it was one of these, I just never heard anything like it, to yeah. hear like 120 kids who could play playing this thing that's whole notes and half notes. And I remember we had a flute player who was sitting right in the middle of the band in the front row. She didn't play for like a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is the best thing I've ever been a part of. I'm sitting inside Aww. this band playing this yeah. just awesome. Just the chord structure is gorgeous. Yeah. It's gorgeous. So How do we spell that, Luke's Arumquay? L-U-X space. Arumquay. I always forget the Arumquay. <laughs> uh, I- A-U-R... 
Eric, Eric Whitaker, Luke's, and it'll come up for you. Yeah. 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 That's, that's I remember singing that in high school, but I uh, the, yeah. Smell it. yeah. Is it originally a choral piece, right? Yeah. Yeah. A U R U M Q U E. Beautiful. Very nice. So for me, <laughs> one of the best pieces I, I've ever conducted with my group has ended up being one of my favorites. It's a, it's not a super complicated piece, but it's called Air and Dance. It's spelled A-Y-R-E and Dance by, I believe Bruce Pearson is the composer of it. If you're looking for a piece to, you know, some, some people might call it a teaching piece. I think every piece is a teaching piece, mm. but but it just works on so many mm -hmm. different things all at the same time. But what has shocked me is in concerts where I've done that piece, I, I survey my students at the end of every year to see which pieces they like, what they didn't like, mm -hmm. whatever. And I would highly encourage people to do that if they don't already. You'll be amazed at the results. But every time I program that piece, it is by far their favorite piece of the entire year. Mm. Um, and uh, because there's this nice slow section of, of the air and then the, the dance is a totally different contrasting part of the piece and I just, I, I love everything about it. Grade level? Um, probably one, one and a half, somewhere in Great. there. Uh, but with, with, with my students, it's just every single time we do it, they, they absolutely adore it. So it's ended up being one of my And you favorites. can do those pieces with young high school kids, too. I did Celtic Air and Dance, Michael Sweeney. It's great. Very similar, right? Yep, yep absolutely. So. Mr. Hendricks? Um, so I remember finding this piece my very first year teaching because I remember right away wanting to challenge myself and find stuff that I'd never played or heard to just you know grow my own knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, and it's in Canto by Robert W. Smith. Mm -hmm. um, it just... It has so much, and like I, I remember first hearing it being like, "This piece is awesome," but you know, you never know how teenagers are going to react to stuff. And they also like listened to me and went, "Oh, this piece is awesome." But this like, is not Encanto. This no, is before. This Encanto. is before Encanto. This is not the Disney one. No. <laughs> um, as much as I love that one, no, Darn. it's not this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, it starts with like this kind of like brass choir thing, and it's like you know, very melodic, and then it goes into this nice da 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 all in three four, which is a time signature. Like it's you know. Right. Not every kid likes or It's almost like it. 6834, but it's not. Absolutely. Because, yeah, yeah they, and then they have the underlying the da, 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 like at the same time. So, it, like, helps with syncopation. And um, then it has, like, a nice, like, middle, like, um, like slower section. And just, I don't know, there's so much there. And, like, to each kid's individual part, it's not the most challenging thing in the entire world. Um, but, like, ha making all the different pieces fit um, is just great. I did it with a group of 12 during COVID when like numbers were way down and like mm -hmm. they were all about it. And they're like, is this a really hard piece? And I'm like, no, but there's stuff that makes it hard to like put together, especially like in a smaller ensemble. And I just, I have found so much success with it and I've done it a couple times and it's, yeah, 10 out of 10. Awesome. Nice. Well, thanks guys. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for making the trip down from the North country and the South country. And <laughs> I live 20 minutes away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a wrap. Cool. We sincerely appreciate you taking your valuable time and listening to the Growing Band Director podcast. Your students are very lucky to have a band director like you. If you have any suggestions for episode topics or think you have an area of expertise to share on a show with us, please reach out. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your band director friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to The Growing Band Director. See you next week.